What is up, you wonderful, fantastic, beautiful people of the world? This is Ashley Campbell, Daily Encouragement. By the time you guys hear this podcast episode, check this out. It'll be October 18th, 2023. Holy moly, you guys. That is my daughter's birthday. She's going to be 15. Oh my gosh. Crazy, crazy, crazy. My birthday is going to be October 22nd. Lots of birthdays in my family in October. We've got four birthdays, three of my kids plus mine. So um, anyway... Today, you guys, I'm going to be sharing with you guys how me and my husband got involved with home church. We're going to talk about the purpose of trials and really believe in God. And have any of you ever struggled to believe God? I'm going to be reading day 91 for my devotional at the very end of this. I'm going to be sharing some links with you guys if you want to purchase a a signed copy for me. I got four left. But uh, we're going to be talking about a lot today. So I hope you guys got some time. If you don't, that's fine. Remember to, you know, rewatch the replays, uh, re-listen to the podcast, you guys. And thank God for every single one of you guys that actually take the time to listen to what I got to say. I really hope and pray it adds value to your life. So the first thing, let's talk about home church. Um, My husband and I have been doing home church ever since, I'm going to say, I think it was November of 2014. So how many years has it been? Like nine already? You know, eight or nine, it's 2023. I can't believe how much time it's been. It's been nine years we've been doing this thing. So you might be asking, why do you do home church, Ashley? A lot of people associate home church with people who are church hurt or people who don't want to be around people or a lot of whatever. And I'm, I'm going to do my best in this video to try to cut through the red tape and the assumptions that other people might have of us. And uh, I want you guys to at least understand our story a little bit so you can know who you're following on here. So my husband and I, I met him when I was 15. I told you guys that, uh, we were together. I met him one month before he turned 16. I was 15, nine months later, got pregnant. Had our first baby when we were 16, our oldest now. He just turned 21 in June. Okay, he is the same father of all seven of my children. Just in case anybody on here is wondering, wow, she's got seven kids. Is it all the same father? Yeah, you know, it's crazy. I do get that when I go into the grocery store, right? Oh, these are all your kids? Yeah, and I have to say, yeah, they all have the same dad too. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that crazy that you even have to make that disclaimer these days, but you do. Uh, You know, my mom couldn't say that. My mom had five kids, five different dads, so hey. I understand why people ask the question. I digress. So me and my husband, you know, we had our first baby when we were 16. Four years later, had another baby. Well, in between that time, I'm going to say probably about 2006, my mom ended up uh, getting liver cirrhosis, passing away, you know, liver liver and kidney failure. All right. Um, My mom was a hardcore alcoholic. That's a whole nother conversation. We're not going to dig into all that today. But uh, basically, that's what that's what took her out. Well, um, I had always wanted to follow the Lord ever since I was five years old. But my mom, my mom was conscious of God, but she was not consciously following him. And she was not consciously making her decisions based off the knowledge of God. All right. And neither was my husband's parents. All right. Um, my His parents were nothing like my mom and dad. Completely two different families. But, uh, you know, his mom was the one that was following the Lord. His dad wasn't. So, you know, neither of us really grew up in an environment that cultivated the knowledge of God. And and like I said, basing your life and your uh, life decisions off the knowledge of God. Neither one of us had that in our in our homes. But, you know, I knew who the Lord was. My mom would talk to me about the Lord and I wanted to follow him ever since I was super young. Uh, Got baptized when I was 10 because I wanted Jesus to forgive me. I wanted to follow him. I wanted to be forgiven of the sins because I knew that I had done some bad things even when I was 10 years old. And uh, so I wanted to follow the Lord, got baptized with my best friend when I was 10. And then I uh, ended up moving out of the neighborhood that uh, I had, you know, of the girl that I had been with and got baptized with. So, you know, basically there's a, there was like a 10 year gap 
you know, where I was not, you know, conscious of the Lord so much anymore. I knew he was there, but I wasn't following him uh, after we moved out of that neighborhood. So uh, finally in 2006, my mom passed away and I remember getting out of the hospital and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, Lord, I wonder if my mom still would have been alive if I would have prayed for her, you know? And I remember just thinking, man, Lord, like, where the heck have I been? Like, there's been a lot of life that's happened these last 10 years. And, you know, I remember finally, I just got in my living room one day. I was 19. Me and my husband had been on our own since we were 17. It was one month before I graduated high school. We got our first apartment. So we were feeling pretty badass, you know, as young people having our crap together. Anyway, so I was 19 in my apartment. Um, my husband went to work and I just, I, I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, if I was to die, I don't even know where I'm going. You know, I need to, I mean, I don't know where I've been, Lord, but you know, I, I want to get back following you. And so, uh, you know, I just got ignited again. You know, it was like a propane tank and you know, that's a whole nother conversation too. My husband, he'd been, uh, he was, he was the same age, 19. He had been hanging out with a neighbor and they were, we, they were having a bar, we were having a barbecue with a woman. I, or I, I think I was working. He, I was working. I used to work the swing shift. So he would work, you know, six to two or whatever. And then I would work 2.30 to 10.30 at the nursing home. So I was at work. He was at the neighbor's house. They were uh, barbecuing and uh, drinking some beers together. And uh, his buddy looks at him and he goes, you know what God wants you to do? My husband's like, what? He goes, just read his word. It was like, wow, how simple and profound, right? But my husband had already been thinking about the Lord. He'd known the Lord since he was really young too. Uh, he's got a story where uh, he would pray. He was like five or six. And he'd be like, hey, God, he'd give God his address and zip code. This is Scott down here, this or that. Anyway, Scott's got a lot of good stories he could tell you guys about him, you know, wanting to seek the Lord out. But uh, anyway, so my husband comes home. He starts talking to me about the Lord again. I'm getting ignited. And it was funny, you know, a, a really quick story. When me and my husband met each other, right? We're 15. We're riding bikes together. I was 15. He was 16. Like I said, I met him a month before he turned 16. We were riding bikes. And it was late at night and I was looking up at the stars and I, I had this thought cross my mind and I asked him, I said, Scott, um, I asked him about, what question did I ask him? Like, do you believe in God or something like that? Or, you know, following God? And he said, yes. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. We never ever started seeking the Lord again until we were 21. So I asked him that question when we were 15, 16, and then six years down the road, God dumped some gasoline on us, all right? So anyway, this has been in our, this has like been in our blood and really it's in every human being who wants to know the Lord. It's there. You just got to acknowledge it and ignite it and get around people who are going to feel you. Anyway, I digress. So anyway, me and my husband, you know, we start following the Lord. We start praying together. We start reading the Bible. I'm reading the Bible every single day, every morning. You guys, when I knelt down in my living room and I was 19 and I started reading God's word, I've been reading it every single day since then. And you guys, I'm going to be 38 in October. Okay. So I meant it. And I was, cause I was ready. You know, I wanted to, I, I remember my first question when I started following the Lord was Lord, like, what does it really mean to follow you? Cause a lot of people say they know you, but what's the real distinction here? Right? Like, you, you know, and so I read Matthew six and he said, don't worry about your life. And it was a game changer. I said, all right, Lord, if all I got to do is give you my life, I'll follow you and you take care of me. And that was it. That was it. I literally read God's word and took him for what he said. And we'll, we'll get into that too, probably one day as far as like, you know, the simplicity of, uh, reading God's word, believing it, integrating it. And I'm sure, we're gonna, I'm sure that's going to come up today at the end of this video. But anyway, so me and my husband reading God's word, 
start putting things into practice, throwing our bongs out. Anybody ever smoke pot when they were teenagers? Oh my gosh, me and my husband did so much. So we're throwing out our bongs, you know, we're like trying, we're laying things down, we're seeking the Lord, we're doing our best to follow him in our, our capacity and, and whatever. Heck, we didn't even pick it back up. Anybody ever throw a habit down and pick it right back up? Totally, totally, you guys. Anybody ever sit there, get stoned and talk to God at the same time? I totally used to do that. One thing I always knew about the Lord, he was never going to leave me. I brought him with me through so much of my shame, you guys. Seriously, that's the kind of relationship I have with the Lord. I always knew he was going to be there. I could be high as a kite, you know, smoke so much weed when I was 18 or 19, 20. But guess what? That didn't, I didn't let that get in the way. Eventually that fell off of me. It really did. Um, but it was a process. And I say that because, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that got habits in their life and they're like, dude, you know, I'm trying to throw things out and I just, I can't let it go. Well, bring God into the situation, you know, he'll help you. Eventually you'll have the desire as you're walking through it and eventually it'll be gone, but you have to continually seek him no matter what state you're in. And that's what I did. I, I'm like, I don't care what state I'm in, God. I'm conscious of you. I know you're here with me and I know you're going to help me through this thing. So that's the kind of relationship I got with the Lord. I know that I can go to him in any state. He's going to be there. He's going to help me. And he has. Anyway, so we start seeking the Lord. And finally, I was like, you know, I was like, babe, I want to try to get around people. And you guys, if my phone dies on Wisdom Map, I apologize. It's super low right now. I wish I had a charger plugged into my computer, but I don't. So if I lose you guys on here, I apologize. So if it just dies, it's just my phone died. So anyway, I remember thinking, Lord, you know, I really want to get around people who are following you. Like what is, I want to get around a community of people who are seeking you that I can talk to about this stuff. I'm learning things I'm doing in my life and things, you know, so I can be with other Christians, learn from them. Like, what is this? I wanted to be around other people who have the same mindset as far as like, Hey, are you going to, are you following Jesus? Okay. Yeah, me too. And so anyway, we started praying about a church, get involved. And uh, this guy that my husband's working with you know, uh, talks to him because my husband and this guy were just talking. My husband used to load roofs for a living, you guys. And, uh, this guy that he was loading roofs with, they were just having a conversation talking about the Lord. And he goes, dude, you totally love my pastor. You sound just like him, this and that, you know, you should come to my church. So we get invited to his church. We go into the parking lot and it's like in a strip mall. And there's like a Catholic church, a coffee shop and uh, Catholic services coffee shop and something else. And I was like, babe, what the heck is this? I'm not trying to go into no Catholic church. And you guys, I got some stories I could tell you from that. My mom's own experience that she had in the Catholic church. I'm actually writing another book right now talking about it. Um, that'll be really good. I can't wait till you guys can read it. But, uh, my mom had some pretty crazy experiences in the Catholic church. She told me about it. So therefore I was like, I do not want to go into a Catholic church. I have no desire. So we get there. He calls his buddy. He goes, Hey man, is your church like this Catholic church? He's like, no, dude, it's at the coffee shop. I was like, well, that's really awesome. Okay. That's completely out of the box. So, um, going to this coffee shop, the cat, the pastor's got jeans on a freaking, you know, ball cap playing electric guitar, you know, and you know, they just start during worship. I was like, wow. And it was really real. Like the songs they were singing, it was like, you know, have you ever heard a worship song that really connects with you? You know, it's like, it's, it, you're, it's, it's, a uh, coming from your heart. You know, these were real people. And I was like, cause that was my, that was the other thing. I remember telling the Lord, Lord, I do not want to go into a church and have to worry about what I'm wearing. Right. Um, I had grown up with a friend of mine. I can't remember what church her mom was a part of, but what's the, I think she was a Mennonite. 
the ones that got to wear the dresses up to the neck, all the way down to the ankles in the summertime. And my mom let me wear bathing suits. I had like a one piece bathing suit as a kid. She couldn't even wear a bathing suit. It'd be 90 degrees. And it was so funny. She talked to me as a kid. She's like, Ashley, I can't wait till I'm a teenager. I'm going to wear whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. And looking back at that now, I'm like, oh Lord, I wonder what happened with her. But anyway, so, you know, I was, I didn't want to have to be controlled like that. Right. So getting to this church, totally not the usual environment. And I was completely happy with that. I walked in there, people in there with their jeans, their t-shirts, drinking coffee, having a conversation, very casual atmosphere. And I was like, wow, this is exactly what I was praying for, Lord. Well, guess what? We were at that church for almost 10 years. First church I was ever a part of in my entire life, you guys. Um, I became extremely connected with these people. Uh, I ended up, uh, I shared with you guys at some point after, I think it was maybe five years, me and my husband had been there. We were at their mercy, you know, uh, needing help from them, staying. Remember I told you guys about the duplex? Did you guys hear that story? Uh, our, the church had bought a duplex and there were six rooms in it. We all went in there one night, prayed over the whole thing. We all went in separate rooms. I ended up praying in this room that whoever was going to be in that room, God would restore their lives. He would use their life in a powerful way. Huge prayers. Well, guess who ends up in that bedroom? This girl right here. Me and my husband and our three kids at the time. One little rink-a-dink bedroom, you guys. We had a bedroom in there, a dresser, a crib, and a uh, bunk bed. I had like this much space to get dressed. And it was one room, all five of us in one bedroom at this duplex. And I told you guys that a little bit of that story. We were there for nine months and then we tried to get on our feet again, fell back on our face. That's a whole nother story. Ended up back on someone else's property from the church. We were there for 18 months in uh, 18 foot travel trailer. And at the time I had four kids, a newborn baby living in an 18 foot travel trailer. Uh, so we were very intimately involved in the lives of these people that we had come to know and connect with. Well, what happened is in the very beginning, probably the first maybe year or two we were there, we had church at our friend's house, right? That's where we used to meet. We had the coffee shop and then the pastor ended up moving up north. The coffee shop got shut down. So then we needed a new place to have church. So then we started having it at my friend's house. Well, she wasn't my friend at the time. She became my best friend, but um, so they're having church at her house. And I remember one day we get there and, uh, the pastor's brother is going to do a sermon. So he gets up there, takes out a can of chew, right? Sitting there just packing it, you know, puts a fat dip in. And I was like, well, that's one hell of a way to start a sermon. Okay. Didn't think anything of it. Right. I'm like, okay, the guy's chewing. I mean, I'm not a super judgmental Christian, you guys. I'm not going to go in there and be like, oh my God, he smokes. Smoke cigarettes. He's chewing. I told you guys. I smoked so much pot when I was a teenager. And that's a whole nother story. So who the hell am I going to sit there and judge somebody else when I know, what when I understand my own process of things in my life and things that I've put on and threw off and all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, whatever, dude. Do you. Like, you know, you're going to figure it out. If that's something you need to throw down, you'll throw it down, right? It's not my responsibility. Anyway, so he gets up there. He looks at all of us and he goes, shame on you guys. And we're like, 
I'm super confused at this point. I've only been going to the church. This was like maybe my second year at the time. And I'm like, what is he talking about? What, what did we do? He goes, I'm sitting up here and I'm struggling with this. And you guys didn't say anything to me. And I'm like, first of all, I don't even know who this guy is. I didn't even know he was struggling with it. I didn't even know, I didn't know it was something he wanted us to be held. He wanted us to hold him accountable on. So I was like, holy crap. So everyone in the church gets down on their knees and just crying out to God for uh, God to forgive us for not being a good brother or sister, not be, you know, not helping our brother, right? We're like, Lord, like we had no idea. So he's asking for accountability, right? Okay, cool. So probably nine months to a year goes by. Probably year number three in the church. My husband noticed he starts chewing again. So my husband was like, hey, so-and-so, man. He's like, I, I remember that you did that sermon. You know, how are you doing with that? My husband was not condemning him for it. He was just doing what was asked of him. If you're going to get up there and humiliate a whole church for not holding you accountable, you're damn right you're going to be held accountable at some point, right? I mean, isn't that what repentance is? Lord, if that's what he needed and, that's, and, and we weren't there, we're going to do that for him, right? So my husband does that. And he goes, oh, things change. And that was it. So I was like, okay. I didn't care that he started chewing again. I was frustrated that he, humili he humiliated the whole church and never went back and apologized to anybody for that. I go, how do you make a public humiliation and then not make a public apology? I was, I was so confused by that. I was, and I was frustrated and I was hurt. I was like, wait a second, we did what we asked, you asked us to do and then this happens. So, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, things change, people make different decisions. I'm, I understand that, I totally do. So now we're probably about five years into this thing, maybe six. Have small groups, been part of a, sm I'm part of a small group for gosh, uh, probably six, five or six years, the whole time I was there pretty much. Um, and then uh, my small group leader ends up moving. They were gonna give the small group to me and her sister. Well, one day somebody makes an executive decision and decides to throw everybody in the same group. So we had different small groups. We had different, so we had the church, right? But then everybody, you know, there was like different people who met up with different age groups, right? Or just whoever you, you connected with, right? So everybody would break off, you know, Thursdays we would all meet in our little groups. And then of course we did all kinds of stuff together in between time. But anyway, finally they decided they weren't gonna do that anymore. We were gonna put all the women in one group and all the men in another group. Well, that was a huge shock to us because there was some things that were going on that needed to be talked about. And I was like, oh God, how is this gonna go for everybody, right? Because I knew that there was tension in a lot of relationships and they weren't very good at dealing with it, okay? So I'm like, oh God, this is gonna be interesting, right? So anyway, they throw everybody into the same groups. Well, I'm frustrated about that because, you know, now it's like, now we got to start all over again. And anyway, so one night we're all sitting in this room together, probably about 14 of us. And uh, the small group leader asked me, now this is the wife 
of the brother who took the big fat dip and never apologized, right? So now his wife is running the women's group, the large women's group now. And she goes, how you doing, Ashley? What's God doing in your life? That's what we always ask each other. I love that question, right? We'd meet together, ask each other, what's God doing in your life? You guys help me grow so much. And um, I still do a small group to this day because I, I definitely recognize the value in it. But uh, anyway, so she goes, Ashley, how you doing? I said, I am struggling. I said, I've been here for probably five or six years now. I've seen this, these different dynamics going on. And uh, she goes, well, Ashley, church is like a marriage. I said, yeah, you're right. It is like a marriage, right? I said, but in my marriage, we actually deal with problems that we're having and, and we talk about things. And I don't really, I don't see that happening here. You know, we don't, we don't talk about things and deal with things. In this, in this church, if you were to go to your brother, you know how Jesus says, if you have an offense with somebody, you're supposed to go talk to him. Well, if you were to do that here, if I was to go to you and say, I'm really struggling with this, instead of them listening to you, they would say, because you have a problem with me, that means you're offended. And that means you're the one that's in sin because you're offended. So you would be like, I'm so confused right now. Because if my husband did or said something to hurt me, I would go talk to him about it and try to get some understanding as to where he's coming from or what was going on, get some more insight and under, you know, understanding, information, whatever, and we could squash it. But here, that didn't happen, right? Now, mind you, I'm six years into this thing and I'm starting to see some things and I'm just like, something just ain't right here. Anyway, so she goes, church is like a marriage. She goes, look, Ashley, she goes, like in my marriage, my husband has done things that I've been very frustrated about, but there was nothing I could do about it. She goes, like with him chewing and stuff. And I said, it is so funny that you bring that up. I said, because that is one of the things I've been extremely frustrated about the last, you know, few years. Your husband humiliated the church and, and, and told us that we weren't doing our job by holding him accountable and he never apologized for that. I said, I don't care if he's chewing. I just don't understand how you can't, how a leader can't make a public apology if necessary. If you humiliate a whole group of people publicly, you should go back and apologize. Well, let's just say she was definitely not expecting that. She was very shocked in a way, right? Well, we tried to talk to him about it. Nobody's listening, right? Um, so then all of a sudden, her daughter-in-law is sitting next to me and she goes, well, yeah, you know what? I'm seeing some of these things too. So now all of a sudden her daughter-in-law starts unloading on her. I didn't expect any of this. I'm just sitting in a small group. You ask me how my week's going. I'm gonna be honest with you. Don't ask me that question if you don't wanna know the answer. So then all of a sudden her daughter who's sitting over here speaks up and says something like, yeah, mom. Now, my heart went out out to her at the time because I can only imagine now all of a sudden she feels she probably feels massively attacked and the, and the thing was is I used to live with them at their duplex I actually became very close friends with her so the leader of this group was the one who ran the duplex that me and my husband lived at her and I became very very close but you know after this after this happened holy crap it it, it's, it really started changing the dynamic of everything so anyway I, I tried to apologize to her, you know, but I, I was just like, look, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm and she's a small group leader, right? I mean, 
hopefully she's able to work through it. But hey, we're all human, right? No matter what your leaders are, they're still, they still got areas that got to mature in and, and things they got to work through. And so, you know, it's, it's not always going to be easy. But anyway, so I was like, I gave it some time. I wrote her a letter, tried talking to her. Everybody in the church knew about it at this point. Okay. And now I'm looked at as kind of like a rebel or stirring crap up or whatever. Right. And I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. I'm really just trying to understand what the heck's going on here. Right. How, how are we going to thrive as a community if we can't deal with the issues that are going on here? Right. We don't publicly humiliate a community and then not apologize, especially if you ended up making a different decision on what you ended up humiliating people for that, that really bothered me, you guys, I'm telling you. So anyway, the whole church knows about it. Things are getting super awkward. And I'm like, can you guys, have you ever been, okay, mind you, I've been with these guys for six years, right? At this point, six, seven years. And I'm talking like Sundays, Saturdays. We had prayer and fast two days a week, Wednesdays and Fridays. We'd get there and meet and pray and fast. We spent so much time together. Small groups, we were so dang connected. We did so much together. We were super tight. So I treated them. They were my closest friends and closest family. I literally loved them more than my own parents. Okay. Like I gave these people my whole heart, my whole life, my whole everything. Completely committed to this group of people. But at the same time, uh, operating and how I operate in relationships with people. And, you know, ever since I was a little kid, you know, if I see something, I'm going to talk about it. I'm not just going to hide stuff underneath the rug. If you have a personal relationship with me, you know that about me. Um, I will be extremely honest with you and you might not like it at all, but my motive is to have a good relationship with you, right? So there's nothing hidden. Everything is laid out. You know exactly where I stand. We can talk through things. We can work it out and then make a decision from there. Anyway, where was I? The whole church knows about it. And I can tell that we're, I'm like, everyone's kind of disconnecting. I'm feeling disconnected. I'm trying to like, like reconcile with these guys. So one day, so I, I think I told you guys, the pastor who started in the coffee shop, he ended up moving. He ended up moving north from us. He started like another group up there. So one day he brought the group from up north down to where we were. We had everybody together in the same room at the duplex. We're all having church together. My best friend at the time who ended up moving, who lived, who was own, owner of the house that we had, the home church in that I told you guys about, she was also in the area too, cause she ended up moving. We ended up, that's why we ended up getting the duplex. Cause she moved, we ended up getting the duplex after we couldn't do church at her house anymore. Anyway, she shows up, really happy to see her. She's my best friend at the time. That's a whole nother story. And uh, so she starts reading that Bible, talk, reading the Bible, that scripture talking about not lifting up holy hands if you have something against your brother. That broke me. I started crying in front of the church. I was lifted. Oh, I'm getting emotional talking about it. And I remember thinking, Lord, I am so sorry for how all this has happened in the church. Like, I love these guys. And I did not mean to offend my sister or cause any, any stuff. I'm just like legit trying to work through these things. I was pouring my heart out. I said, Lord, forgive me for how I treated her. I said this literally out loud in front of like 50 people. I was pouring my heart out, you guys. All of a sudden music stops they look at me and one of the leaders looks at me and goes Ashley shut up that's manipulation I was completely taken back I was like Lord 
I'm sitting here pouring out my heart to these people, trying to reconcile and get these things worked out, understanding something. And all they can say is I'm manipulating them. I was, I, I, I was like, what the heck? I was shocked by that, really. But I didn't leave. You guys, I was still there for like another two years after that, right? So what happens after that? You guys, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to stop this really fast because I've only got two more minutes on the podcast. So you guys bear with me. You guys podcast, I'm going to stop the recording and start another segment because I got to... All right, you guys, so I'm back. This is part two. So anyway, um, I confess that to the church. And they say, Ashley, that's manipulation. And I was like, oh my God, Lord, I'm so confused right now because I'm not trying to manipulate anybody. I'm, I'm legit trying to reconcile with these people. They are definitely not seeing me right now. So I stay. I push on because I'm treating church like a family. You guys ever, you guys ever live in a dysfunctional family when they do all kinds of crazy crap and you just stay because you love them, because you know them, because you understand them? Have you ever understood to the point of your own destruction? I did that. Just about. So, anyway, that happens. That's kind of one, one key thing that happened. So then, I'm just still trying to talk to the pastor I'm, and he's not, he's not listening. He's like, Ashley, this is just the way it is. And I'm just like, crap, this sucks. I'm struggling. I remember going down, taking care of my dad. Uh, my stepdad, he was going through, he found out he had bone cancer, he had liver cirrhosis. I go down there, take care of him. And I'm I'm in a really low place at this point because I'm just like, Lord, I'm so confused. I love these people. I've been with them for six years. Like, why don't they trust me? What's going on here? I mean, I've given my whole life to them. I've given my whole mind to them. I've given them everything. And my dad, my stepdad at the time, he didn't know the Lord. But he goes, Ashley, what the hell are you doing? He goes, you need to get the hell out of there. Right? Well, here's the thing. You know what I was taught? Let me take a drink of water, guys. I hope you guys are still with me. I don't know how many people are with me still, but I hope y'all are still here. But my dad goes, Ashley, you need to get the hell out of there. Well, I was taught that if you were not in the church, you can't be trusted. So I didn't trust my dad, I didn't listen to him. I knew he was right. I knew I needed to get out of there. But because he wasn't following the Lord, what did he have to offer, right? He didn't really know the Lord, why should I listen to him? He's sitting there freaking dying of liver cirrhosis and I'm supposed to listen to this guy? And not to mention, like I said, we were taught, my church in particular was like, look, No one else is doing it right except for us. So if you guys get my devotional, I talk about, you know, our church, we would outwork you. We were doing the right thing and everyone else was doing everything wrong. So I didn't trust other Christians. Even if you're a Christian, I had other Christians that I was connected with and different others. Like I used to sell Mary Kay and stuff. And there was a lot of Christian women in that group. And, you know, I didn't go to their churches or nothing. And that, yeah, you didn't go to their church. You didn't trust them, right? You know, if they're a Christian, nope, they didn't come to the church. They didn't come to our church. And it's funny. Uh, I remember one day, side note, and we'll get back into the story. This is relevant. So I have an older brother and uh, 
we don't talk. That's a whole nother story. He just got out of prison probably back in 2019 for some stuff. Never grew up with him. Like I said, my mom had five different men in her life, five different siblings. So none of us grew up together. My younger brother and my younger sister we did, but our older brother and older sister, I didn't meet my older sister till I was 13, she was 19. I didn't meet my older brother till I was 14, 15, and then he was gone. So I've only known him, maybe met him, like seen him twice in my life, a few times. Didn't know him though. Anyway, so as an adult, he I don't know how the heck he got a hold of me. I think it was through my older sister as adults, right? He uh, comes out to where I'm at, comes to visit, and uh, he goes to the church. He walks through the door. He was there with me for the day and he leaves and he goes, there's a lot of tension there. There's a lot of stress. He goes, I don't think those people are doing very good. Now, mind you, he's never been there in his life. And there had been a, quite a few people that had left that church. And like I said, I'm there, I was there for six, seven years, right? I was there for eight years. And so he's, he, my brother came, my older brother came to the church, uh, probably year six or seven, something like that. And he's noticing the tension and he's like, something ain't right here. And I thought that was really funny coming from an outsider. I was like, yeah, I know. I, I mean, I'm seeing it too, but no one else is seeing it. Cause you know what they would say? They're the ones that are screwed up. They don't know what they're talking about. They're wrong. So anyway, so anyway, uh, let me go back. So after that event happens and I get called a manipulator for asking God to forgive me for how that whole thing went down at small group that night, how I didn't intend for that. And I just want to reconcile and get through these things after that. Years go, another year or so goes by. Nothing's happened. Same old same. So the church, so the pastor comes down, the one, you know, he comes down again and he's asking us, he goes, all right, you guys, what's going on here? Uh, their church has not grown in like 10 years. I wonder why. He goes, you guys aren't doing your job. Um, you need to go find a fit, you know, you need to go find a fishing hole is what he'd call it. And I'm just sitting there like, I can tell you why this church isn't growing, but you don't want to ask that question. You don't want to talk about that. There's a reason why nobody wants to come here anymore. It's evident. I'm not saying this, I'm thinking this. And it was funny because before we went down there that day, I, I looked at my husband and I was like, babe, if something happens today, are you cool with me being completely honest? He goes, yeah, babe, whatever you need to do, of course. Okay, cool. So now I got my husband's blessing, right? Wasn't expecting anything. I wasn't, I wasn't. You just never know what territory you were gonna go into that day. Anyway, so he comes down, he's preaching. He gets done preaching. And what they would do is they would separate everybody into women on one side, men on the other side, and ask everybody what they got out of the sermon. I'm like, God, haven't you all learned not to ask me this question? Okay, so I already done sat in the small group. And mind you, the same woman that was running the small group that I had already been honest with is running the group on Sunday. Well, I don't know what they are thinking to ask me the question again and not expect crap to possibly hit the fan. So she asked me, I know she's nervous to ask me this question, but heck, she's got 14 other women sitting there. She's got to do her job. Ashley, would you get out of the sermon? Oh Lord. I said, all right, well, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. 
I said, so-and-so's up there talking about, you know, how uh, we're not supposed to, you know, the church's not growing. We got to find a fishing hole. I said, I don't want to bring anybody here anymore. I said, she goes, what do you mean? I said, we don't care for each other. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, the way that we relate to each other, rude, disrespectful. When she said, what are you talking about? She rolled her eyes at me. I said, that's what I'm talking about. I'm sitting here talking about things that I believe are important as to, you know, if we're trying to build this church, we got to utilize everybody in this body. I said, I've been here. I've been committed for almost seven, eight years. I gave you guys my whole life. There are things that are going on here that I believe are not serving the relationships, how we talk to each other, how we disrespect each other, right? Talking behind each other's backs, not solving problems, not addressing things, not not taking full responsibility for things, right? You know? And she was shocked that I said that because like I said, they had opened up this duplex. They had people coming in that were uh, getting out of prison, child molesters, you name it. So they were rehabilitating people as far as giving them a a roof over their head and food to eat. But as far as rehabilitating a person relationally and helping them become a, uh, a good human as far as communicating, telling each other what you need, addressing conflict in a healthy way, none of that was happening. But to me, that stuff's important right? Especially if you want to talk about church being a marriage, well, what's a healthy marriage look like? You got to be able to run those parallels with marriage and the church. So anyway, she's completely shocked. I don't know why she's shocked. We've already been here, done that sister. Come on. You know, you should know who you're dealing with right now. But I was respectful to her. I was just, the way I'm talking to you guys is the way I was talking to her. So anyway, I said, I don't want to bring anybody here. I I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. So of course, I say my piece, everybody in the circle has their turn. We get done, everybody comes up to me and gives me a hug. And every single person that day, all these women, they're like, oh my God, Ashley, you said the thing I've been wanting to say for so long. And I'm thinking, come on, man, man up, grab your balls and say shit. Now women don't have balls, but I'm just like, say what you need to say. I don't know why you guys have the opportunity, right? But of course they had already seen what happened the last time so why would anybody open their mouth now? Well, I don't care. I'm going to open my mouth because I, I, was, I was compelled. I was like, I can't just sit here and not say something. Anyway, so they're all like, man, Ashley, thanks for saying that. You know, we really appreciate you saying what we were thinking, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, cool, thanks. And I had this weight off of my chest. I was relieved. I said, thank you, God. That's done and over with, right? Now that they really know. So we had lunch. Told my husband what happened because you, there was some tension still. You could feel it. And I'm like, ah, okay. I knew something was going to happen though. I said, babe, I feel a lot better, but I don't think it's over yet. But I said what I needed to say. So we go back down the street to our little 700 square foot home that the pastor was letting me and my husband and five kids live in at the time. So all my five kids were in one bedroom, me and my husband and... Yeah, me and my husband were in the other room. It was a little two-bedroom, little shack place there. He was letting us stay there. He comes down. He goes, Ashley, if you don't apologize, do not come back. I said, I don't have nothing to apologize for, dude. I said, I've been completely honest with you guys. I said, I've been in your church for eight years. Gave my life to you guys, literally. Like, I gave them my mind and everything, y'all. That's the thing about... When you're a young Christian and you want to follow the Lord, sometimes, man, you can just give yourself over to people 
And that's a whole nother story. That's why I'm writing another book right now about that stuff. But anyway, so anyway, he goes, Ashley, if you don't apologize, don't come back. And I said, I don't have anything to apologize for. I said, I've been completely honest with you guys about everything. I said, I'm not going to apologize. So he leaves. I was crushed. I was so relieved because I knew it was over, but I was crushed because I realized that I'd given my life to these people and they did not feel the same way about me that I felt about them. I thought we were a literal, like committed group of people, right? I mean, I've had conflict with people and we've had to deal with things and they're still in my life. So I thought that, hey, we should be close enough to have these kinds of conversations and it not just completely, everything falls apart now, right? That's what happened. Well, let me back up a little bit. Probably three, four months before all this happened, right? Before he came down and said, if you don't apologize, don't come back. I said, Lord, please kick me out. I can't do this anymore, God. I said, Lord, but I don't have the heart to leave. I was more worried about what they were going to say about me as a, as a Christian. Oh yeah. You're not committed to God. You're just going to leave the church, huh? Anybody ever hear that? So I was like, Lord, I am committed to them. I love them. I don't care how freaking retarded they can be at times or rude or disrespectful or whatever. I do love them and care about them. And I, but I was more worried about what they were going to say about my relationship with the Lord. Oh, you're not committed to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I am committed to you hundred percent. I love you, God. I mean, I've been here for eight years and now it's like, I'm ready to die, but I'll stay. This is where you want me to be. But I was like, Lord, I don't have the courage to leave. I just, I can't do it. So I was like, Lord, just kick me out. Well, when that happened, I knew that God was answering my prayer that day. Now you can sit here and say, Ashley, wait a minute. The pastor didn't, he didn't um, kick you out. He just said, if you apologize, if you don't apologize, you can't come back. Did you know God always gives you a choice? God always gives you a choice. God gave me a choice that day. And it was funny because after all this happened, right? I called my best friend at the time. I told her what happened. She knew all the stuff that's been going on. She'd been in this church for 20 years. She knew all of this stuff. And they just, they knew it, but they overlooked it because there was nothing that could be done. Okay. But she would talk about it. And that was, that's what was also frustrating to me. We're going to sit here and talk about this problem. And we're going to talk about it amongst ourselves, but we're not going to do anything about it. Do you guys know that's what causes cancer in the body of Christ? That's what causes divisions. Okay. That's what causes the sickness is everybody knows there's problems. They talk about it. They don't do anything. This is how factions get developed. All kinds of unhealthy dynamics in churches. This is what happens. So she said she would sit here and she would acknowledge the things that I saw, the things that were unhealthy, that were not good for the church. And she would always talk about it, but nobody ever did anything about it. They would just bear with it, even though they were talking about each other in a way that was like, let's just not talk about each other anymore. Let's just deal with it so we can actually have good relationships with each other. So we don't have to sit here and talk about each other, right? Anyway, so I called my best friend, told her what happened. And uh, she goes, so... She calls me, or I call her, I talk to her. She ends up talking to other people in the church. And she goes, Ashley, even if you're right, please just come back. We need you in the church. I was like, then I'm even more pissed. I'm like, wait a second. You know I'm right and you want me to come back. Are you, um, I'm at this point. So then I'm confused, right? Because I had no other group 
to rely on. These were my people. These were my family. Both my parents were dead. These people had walked with me through so much struggle in my life. Gone. Who the freak am I going to talk to now, right? So a part of me didn't want to leave because I was like, well, I still got close friends there and I don't want to leave them. So then I was like, Lord, I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. It's like, I love these people, but I, I gotta go, Lord. I mean, so then that, this thought hit me as I was talking to the Lord. It's Ashley, are you talking to the air? I was like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not talking to the air. I'm talking to you, Lord. It's like, okay. Ashley, like he, that moment was very defining for me. I had to start realizing that I had my own personal relationship with the Lord and I had to start acting upon the things that I believed and knew that he was leading me in. Because for a time I was a child as a Christian. I had let my whole life be governed by other people in Christ. Now I was in a situation where, and here's the thing, you guys, I never, it was hard for me to see this transition because I had never learned to, I grew up, you guys, I had a baby at 16 years old. Not only that, my parents were so irresponsible. I, when I was young, five, six, seven, I would set my dad down, my stepdad, big dude, 6'1", 250 pound guy. And I tried to talk to him about how he was gonna get his, these problems solved or what he was gonna do, try to like calm him down. So I had pretty much been an adult like my whole life. So I had never understood the transition of coming out from underneath the guardianship of another person and walking in my own authority. I didn't know what the heck that was. Now all of a sudden I'm in this transition in this point in my life where things have massively changed, changing, and I have to make a decision. Am I going to remember all the prayers that I've prayed, knowing I've been talking to God for the last, at this point, it was eight years. Now, like I said, we've been doing home church for nine. This is a 17 year process, you guys. And I have to start living out what I believe the Lord's having me do. So at that, at that moment, I was becoming an adult. It was like, all right, you know what, you guys, I got to make my own decisions for me now. I love you guys, but I can't stay here anymore. I had to start believing that God was leading my own life now, right? I had prayed, things have happened. Here I was in this situation, right? So I was like, I'm not talking to the air. So I called my best friend. I said, look, I love you. And I totally understand what you're saying. I know you guys, I knew I brought a lot, a lot of value to the church. I've always been the encourager in the church. I could pour into people, no problem. Like I'm pouring into you guys right here. I could, get me in a small group of people, all right? That's what I've always done. I love doing it. But I wasn't going to compromise anymore, seeing bad things happen and nothing be done about it. I couldn't operate in unhealthy dynamics anymore because it was making me depressed. I didn't even know I was depressed. When I was down taking care of my dad, oh God, I was spiraling so bad. I didn't even know what was going on. And then after I've read so many books over these last nine years, you know, I finally reflected on that time period. I said, wow, I was depressed. You know, this is how you know you're depressed. When you believe things will never change. I had completely accepted the fact that things were never gonna change. And oh my God, I was feeling so helpless as a result. It's like, I wanted to be there and I really believed things were never gonna change. And I didn't have, at the time, I didn't have like any of the tools I have now to navigate that. I just, it was like crash course, baby. It was hard. <laughs> but anyway, so after that happened, right? The, after the pastor leaves, my husband looks at me and he goes, babe, I'm taking full responsibility for you guys spiritually. 
He's like, we are never going to go through that again. He's like, I am going to lead you guys. And I was excited and I was absolutely terrified all at the same time. Because I had built my whole reputation being in the church. And now I'm not going to be in the church. And it was funny because I remember we moved. And I, was, I can't remember the book I was reading. But uh, I was terrified to do home church. I was terrified to follow my husband on this. I was like, well, Lord, what are they going to think? They're going to think we're church hurt. They're going to think that we don't want to follow you. All these people are going to think this. And I looked back on that and it was all stemming from the wound that I had or the, the injury of worrying about what people think. That had been my whole life. And it was like, I realized after that situation happened, I had to start repairing the trust with my husband because when we were in the church, uh, people would say all kinds of horrible things about my husband, Scott, because, you know, at the time we were living in the travel trailer. We were living here. We needed their help. And they would say stuff like, he's not doing his job as a husband. And I'm thinking, dude, I've been with this man since I was 15. He's always taken care of us. It's, I mean, it's unfortunate we're in this situation, but you know, um, we knew at the time God was leading us through certain things, through this difficulty that we didn't want to go through. But at the time, you know, uh, we had no other choice. You guys, do you guys look for God in your circumstances, right? You know, when we, when the economy crashed in 2009 and I've got baby number three and I made a commitment to stay home with my children and our lease is up and somebody says, Hey, you know, you guys can come stay with us till you get on your feet. I'm like, okay, Lord, you open that door for me. Right. And he did, but people were getting resentful of the help that they were giving, even though they were in a very humble situation themselves. Isn't that funny how that works? When me and my husband moved into the duplex, there was two meters on each side, water meter, water meter, power meter, power meter, right? We moved in there, guess what? They were fixing to turn the water off there. You know how much the power bill was and the water bill? Over 700 bucks. Well, my husband had just done a job and made, I don't know, probably like over a thousand bucks, right? So you know what me and my husband did? We paid for all of that. You wanna know why? because we weren't gonna move into a place. We're at their mercy, they're letting us stay there and we're gonna have our own kids there. You think we wanna live in a place with no power and water? So we're like, dude, we're, their church is helping us out right now. So we're gonna pay for that. So we did, we took care of it. The two people that were running the duplex, neither one of them had jobs. So we were helping each other out. But at the time, they didn't see it that way. They didn't see it as us being God's grace to each other. They had the physical house. We had some resources, right? For my husband's job, it wasn't like a bunch of money because the, the, the duplex, the mortgage part of it was being paid for by another person. So the mortgage was taken care of by the pastor's mother. She had literally bought this duplex. She was covering all of that. But as far as the utilities, that was supposed to be on the church. Well, neither one of them had jobs because they're running the duplex. So me and my husband move in there and we're helping out them paying for stuff. Right? So then when we, even when we were in the uh, travel trailer, the, the two people that owned that house, they were living off of soup and bread trying to sell metal buildings. Their water heater went out. They didn't have no money for it. It was 400 bucks. You know who bought a water heater for them? My husband did. Because we moved in there. He started getting more jobs. So my husband, we just do what we do. We, we're helping them out. We were grateful they gave us a place to live. We weren't gonna sit there and you know we need what they have. We're not gonna watch them struggle. Bottom water heater, bottom groceries, gave him 420 something bucks a month. The point is, is 
we were both in a very humble situation. We were God's grace to each other at that moment. They needed a play. They needed help financially. They had a roof, but they need a little more money. They were struggling. And so we helped each other and it was beautiful. And so anyway, that's how we got started with home church. My husband decided he was going to be the primary influence in our life. And so, you know, I got invited to another church. I remember probably a couple months after this happened. And you guys, my heart was hurting. I needed to be, I needed to be healed. I needed to be recovered. My whole life had just completely changed. I was relieved and I was grieving. I was hurting. And so I went into the church that she went into and it was a big church. And I would go there and I knew I wasn't my normal self because usually you know, when I'm in a good place, I like to talk to people. I like to ask them how they're doing. I'm very kind of outgoing in that way. I wasn't doing any of that. I'm like, I wanted to be in a place where I could kind of absorb from people. Nobody really talked to us when we were there. Nobody asked us how we were doing or what our story was. You guys, this church had like five, 600 people in it. And I'm like, I can't do this, Lord. I cannot do this right now. This is too much for me. I need, I needed someone to pour into me. I needed time to heal. I needed all of that. And I'll tell you what, the time that we've had in the last eight years did that for me. And I remember being so frustrated. I was like, Lord, you know, cause like I said, I was, I was terrified to follow the leadership of my husband on this, like doing home church and stuff. Right. I knew it was the right thing to do because it was like, that's what I wanted to do. We needed to get some healing. I mean, how, how amazing is it when your husband is initiating this and you're having church in your house? Like God is not just out here. It's like, dude, God's in the home. Like, duh, this is what we live for. This is great. I'm excited about this. But I was struggling because my reputation as a Christian was in being in the church and doing all the things that these people wanted me to do. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to be my own person at the time and actually just appreciate my own journey, my own story, anything like that. And so um, I remember sitting there one day talking to the Lord about it. And it was just like, I was thinking about worrying about the, the only thing I was occupied with in my mind was worrying about what other people were going to think about me doing home church, right? Oh, they're going to judge whatever. And, and I just remember, you know, the thought hit my mind. It's like, Ashley, you have to go through this. This is the only way you're going to learn not to, you know, worry and occupy yourself with what other people think. And it was, it was very painful, but I had to just surrender to it. I'll have to find, I'll have to find what I was reading that God used to kind of bring that revelation into my mind. I'll look for it sometime. It's actually, I told you guys, I'm working on another book right now. It's referenced in that other book, but, uh, yeah, that's how we got started you guys. And Holy crap. I can't believe I've been here for an hour. I hope you guys are still with me. I hope you guys appreciate my story. I'm completely, this is raw. This is vulnerable. This is my life. And this is why we do home church. We do it twice a month. Um, and then we've been going to another church two times a month because we love people. We want to connect with people. It's just, we're not going to like blindly go in there and do what we did before when we were super young and vulnerable, right? We're adults now. We're kind of looking like, what do we need? What can we bring here? Uh, what can we bring to the table of the body of Christ? Because we believe we have a lot of value. We carry a lot of value. We believe we can bring that into a church. So now just trying to find, uh, connecting with other people that see the value that we carry and saying like, hey, we could use you here, right? And so um, on Sunday, you guys, uh, I'm going to be singing uh, Goodness of God for a church that uh, we've been going to twice a month. It was funny. I was sitting there one Sunday, only the second time I've been there. And uh, the girl goes, hey, you want to come sing with us in the choir? Went and did that. And then uh, they heard me sing Goodness of God one time. And they're like, bro, you need to lead that song. 
Okay, sure. So that was really exciting for me, you guys. So we're going to hang around there and see what happens. Um, I actually asked the pastor if he would let me borrow a room in his church building so I could make my small group kind of more of a local sort of, you know, thing. I don't mind inviting people to my house, but I'm not going to put my public information on Facebook, y'all. Heck to the nah. I ain't doing it. But if I can have a public place where I can meet with people and we can have a small group, any woman who's in the area wants to come, that would be awesome. So I'm waiting on him to get back with me about that to let me know if that's what he wants to do. And then I'll let you guys know if that's going to be an open door. But uh, you guys, I think I should stop there today. I think I've told you enough. I think I've been on here for a whole hour. And you guys, I'm going to save all the stuff I was going to share with you guys. So I was going to read to you guys today um, out of my book. Uh, Day 91, God is not a liar. Why don't I believe it? You know what I'll do? I'll take a couple pictures of what I wrote and I'll post it on here. And if it's something that you guys want to get your hands on, let me know. And uh, I'll read it to you guys next time I get on here and go live. It won't be until next Wednesday. So it'll you know be about a week from now. Like I said, my husband's going to be off work. So I'm going to be hanging out with him at home. We're going to change oil in my truck, lawn, mow the lawn, maybe go in the pool once or twice. I don't know. The weather's finally starting to cool down out here. But uh, I got a bunch of posts scheduled. So you guys continue to, you know, check out the content. 335 podcast episodes, you guys. A brand new one releases tomorrow. Be sure to check it out. Daily Encouragement with Ashley Campbell. It's on Spotify, iTunes, Google Cast. Look up Daily Encouragement with Ashley Campbell podcast. And uh, you can find it on just about any other platform that, uh, you know, hosts podcasts. So look me up. Daily Encouragement with Ashley Campbell. The podcast is not the same as the videos on here. I got to make that clear. Some people think that the videos are the podcast. No, the podcast is separate. I started recording the podcast on video so you guys could see me more. All right. But uh, there is so much content on there that you guys haven't heard yet. All right. So you guys be sure to check that out. I got a ton of videos on here you guys can catch up on. Like I said, I got a bunch of pet schedule posts that you guys can, uh, you know, tons of content. And uh, I just thank you guys for being here. You guys are amazing. Like I said, God, God brought 2,000 people to this page in 14 days. That's really incredible. And I pray that everything I talk to you guys about resonates with you, gives you some encouragement, some insight, and that you guys can grow and pour out the grace God's poured in you. That's all I'm doing. I'm sharing my grace. You guys get out and share yours. All right? So, you guys, I'm going to stop this podcast. Thank you guys for listening today. I hope you guys have an awesome rest of the day. And I will return next week.